All right. Amen. Open your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 tonight. God loves you. God loves you. God so loves you. God's grace is for you. God's grace is for you. God has grace that is bigger, greater than all of your sins. It is unlimited, and he will forgive you. Why? Because he loves you. God loves you. Do you want to hear something crazy? That is the most hated message in the world. That is the most hated message in the world. The world doesn't want you to hear that. It doesn't want you to know that. It wants you to turn to it. It wants you to believe that your hope, that your remedy rests with it. The world hates that message. Not only that, Satan doesn't want you to hear that. He shudders that you might hear, that you might believe that. He works with all that he has against you hearing that message. Satan hates that message. Sadly, the people that need that message the most, the people that need it the most, oftentimes in pride and in self-sufficiency, they also often fight against it. It literally is the most hated message in the world. And yet, it is the truth. Listen to me tonight. God loves you. God's grace is for you. God so loves you. The Bible tells us the people who will carry this message will have a hard time. The Bible says they will be persecuted, they will be mocked, they will be ridiculed. Because the message is hated, they also will be hated. That's the teaching of Scripture. The Bible says even to the point of death. And so God takes a special care in preparing, in building, in encouraging those that will carry it. I believe that. It's the most hated message. Those that carry it, they also will be hated. And so God takes a special care, a special concern in preparing and building and encouraging those that will carry it. I believe that. I know that. Well, in our study tonight, we find that he did just that then, and we're going to find that he does that now as well. Tonight, our message is entitled, Steady in the Storm. Steady in the Storm. Tonight, we're in John chapter 6, verses 15 through 25. Moving right along, John chapter 6, verses 15 through 25. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. John chapter 6, beginning in the 15th verse. God's word says this. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. And after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea began to be stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. Then, when they had rowed about three or four miles, 
they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. So they were willing to receive him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. The next day the crowd that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other small boat there except one, and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. There came other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for your grace that's shown to us. We're thankful for your love that is for all people. We're thankful for your truth, the message of good news through Jesus Christ. Lord, we're thankful for this night, this Saturday night. We're thankful for a 29th time to come and to hear from you and to see our Savior, Jesus, through your own word. Lord, we are thankful for that. I pray that tonight that again you would speak I pray on this night that you would lead. I pray it wouldn't be just an evening to pass through, but I, I pray it would have a supernatural impact. And I pray that in it you would be known, that you would be lifted up, and that you'd be glorified. Lord, we come and we just tell you tonight as your people, we love you. We do thank you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you were to sell out to the cause of Jesus, if you were to actually do that, if you were to actually sell out to the cause of Jesus, there would be some things that you would need to be certain of. Okay, you've made this decision. You're going you're gonna to sell out to the cause. There would be some things that you would need to be certain of. You would need to be certain of who Jesus is. At that point, you need to have no doubt. There can be no room for any doubt. You need to know who Jesus is. If you're going to sell out to the cause of Jesus, you're going to need to be certain of Jesus' mission. You're going to need to know what he's doing, what, what he's done, what he's doing, what he expects, what he wants now. There can be no doubt. There can be no room for doubt for knowing his mission. You're going to need to be certain of Jesus' call for you to join him on the mission. For sure, you do not want to be doing something he didn't tell you to do. You don't want to be found doing something he never called you to do. There can be no room for doubt here. You can have no doubt. You need to know that he called you to be on his mission. Not only that, you'll need to be certain of God's power and God's provision promised for the mission. That is going to be what sustains you. That's going to be what bolsters you and keeps you going. There can be no doubt. There's no room for any doubt as to the power and the provision that God has promised for his mission. Well, in our verses tonight, we see Jesus has done this profound 
public miracle. That was last night, a, a demonstration for all of the masses. And then tonight we see that he does really a very private miracle that is a demonstration to his disciples. So we see the feeding of the multitude and the, the whole area hears about it. And then tonight we see this private miracle that is a demonstration to his disciples. Well, in doing so, he is preparing them to deliver the world's most hated message. John chapter 6, we start off, we read of the feeding of the great multitude, uh, 5,000 men with women and children uh, probably approaching 20,000 people. Uh, let me back up to verse 14 to set the context. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. All right, starting with our verses tonight, beginning in verse 15. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now, verse 15 is a big verse. A lot is revealed here in the 15th verse. Now, I, I've broken it down. We're going to look at three particular things revealed in the 15th verse. Now, the first thing we see in this verse is the truth that man's wisdom is not real wisdom. Man's wisdom is not real wisdom. Now, I want you to see this. These people, they were trained to remember the Passover. They were trained in the Passover to remember the Exodus event. And they remember Moses delivered God's people from foreign rule. They remember that. They remember that Moses brought God's provision. They had food. They had quail and manna. They had water. They remember that Moses brought God's provision. They remember that Moses brought God's protection against all of the enemies of Israel. They remember that. And now upon seeing this miracle... They believe Jesus will do the same. And that's what they think. Jesus, he's, he's done this great miracle. He's fed this multitude. And so they believe Jesus will do the same. Well, it seems wise to them that they would grab him and that they would make him their king. This is, after all, how God should work. He had done it in the past. Here's this one. This is how God should work. That makes perfect sense to them. Now is the time. 5,000 men, many more people in the crowd. Others we're going to see are coming across the sea as well. They say, we will make him our king. Here's the truth. Man's wisdom is not real wisdom. That's hard for us sometimes. That's, that's hard for me sometimes. But we have to understand God is perfect in wisdom. He is infinite in wisdom. And so listen to me. We follow him. We do not follow the wisdom of man. They have their wisdom. Instead, we follow God. That is a valuable truth for carriers of the world's most hated message. The world's wisdom is not true wisdom. 
The second thing we see here in verse 15 is the, the truth, the reality that there is God's mission or there is no mission. There is God's mission or there is no mission. Now, think about this tonight. The goal is that Jesus would come as the Messiah, that Jesus would be announced as the Messiah, and that Jesus would then be received as the Messiah. Isn't that the goal? That he would come as the Messiah, that he would be announced as that, and he would be received as the Messiah. Isn't that the goal? Well, at this point, this is the high point of Jesus' popularity during his earthly ministry. In fact, if you follow along, it has grown and it has grown. And now with this great miracle, he is at the high point of his, of his popularity during his earthly ministry. From here, we'll start to see that it steps down. Well, if they wanted to make him king, wouldn't that be a great way to be heard? I need the world to know that I'm the Messiah. Wouldn't that be a great way to be heard? Wouldn't that be a great way for the message to spread? Have you heard of the new king? Surely that's a great way for the message to spread. Isn't this a great opportunity for Jesus? Sure appears so. We got a multitude of people. He's riding on the peak of a wave of popularity. This seems like the opportune time. Get this tonight. Jesus knew the mission, and that was not the mission. He knew the plan, and the plan is that he would die to secure redemption. He knew the plan, and the plan is that he would pay for salvation in his own blood, the only thing that could provide the remission of sins. He knew the plan, and the plan was not for an earthly crown placed upon his head with earthly hands, but it was for a heavenly crown issued at the throne of God. He knew the plan was not for some military victory, but rather it was for a spiritual victory. He knew the plan was not that he would ascend to a political position. He knew the plan would be that he would assume one day his eternal position as King of kings and Lord of lords. Listen to me. There is God's mission, or there is no mission. And so we watched them. They selfishly wanted a king. He selflessly came to die as the lamb. It wasn't God's plan. There is God's mission, or there is no mission. That's important for people that will carry the world's most hated message. There is God's mission, not room for another mission or two missions, or there is no mission. That brings us to the third thing that we see in verse 15, and that is the role of prayer on the mission, the role of prayer. Now, uh, this is recorded also in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark. In the Gospel of Mark, it says that he went to pray Alone. Now, here in John, it says that he went away to, to be alone, but in, in Mark, it says he went to pray. Well, see this. Jesus, faced with an assault of man's wisdom, faced with the cost of God's mission, and leading these disciples, he goes to pray. Jesus goes to pray. Evidently, when you put it together, he prayed the rest of the day and most of the night. Hear me tonight, 
if we are to actually carry the world's most hated message, we've got to get serious about prayer. I read that. I see the example of Jesus Christ. If we are actually going to carry the world's most hated message, we need to, we need to be in prayer seeking the Father's wisdom. We need to be in prayer seeking God's empowerment. We need to be on our knees seeking it in prayer. We need to ask that God's name will be lifted up and we need to seek that in prayer. If we're going to actually carry the world's most hated message, we are going to have to be serious in prayer. Jesus was. Jesus was. All right, verse 16. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. Now after the great miracle, the feeding of the multitude, he sent the crowd away. Mark also records that he also sent his disciples quickly away. And so when you read the account in Mark's gospel, he not only dismisses the crowd, he also sends his disciples quickly away. Now here's why I think he did that. I think at this point, they were prone to believe the crowd. And I think at this point, they were prone to even join the crowd. And I think about them, they had been preaching, but the result really wasn't that great. They had been healing people, and as remarkable as that is, as it was, the result really wasn't that great. And so I think they are prone to say, yes, now is the time. Yes, this seems like a better way. This surely is the way. And now things will get moving. You'll be the king and we'll be with you. They were ready. Let's go. This is a better way. And so I think Jesus sees the temptation. He knows the draw of the crowd. And so he quickly sends them away as well. He says, get in a boat and go on over. I wonder here what they were thinking. As they make their way to the boat, as they get on the boat, as they shove off in the boat, I wonder what they're thinking. They've seen the miracles. They've heard the teachings of Christ. They've now seen the response of the crowd. I wonder if they're saying, is this really real? Is this what we're giving our life for? Is this really worth doing? Isn't this crazy? What are we even doing? As they push off into the darkness in the boat, what are we even doing? I wonder if they wonder that. Verse 17. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. Verse 17. And after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. Now, Understand, for the most part, six or at least seven of these guys were fishermen. And so this is nothing new to them. They had fished at night. This was a routine thing for them. Jesus told them to get in a boat and go on. He hasn't shown up. He hasn't come. And so they actually get in the boat and they go. Verse 18. The sea began to be stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. The lake, the sea, is surrounded by hills, the peaks of them some 2,000 feet high. The sea itself, the Sea of Galilee, is some 700 feet below sea level. 
And so the wind would hit the mountains, it would hit the hills, and it would drop 2,700 feet when it hit the water. And when the wind hit the water, across the waves, it would make a turbulent water, a turbulent sea. People say it's still the same way today, that the wind pushing down those same mountains has the same impact on the sea. Then when they had rowed, verse 19, about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. From the other gospel accounts, they should have been long across the sea. They should have, they should have had plenty of time to, to have been on the other side, and yet they are about halfway in the sea. They are in the middle of the sea. Now that's important. They're not on the edge of the sea. They're not on the shoreline of the sea. They are halfway. They're in the middle of the sea. Now they are rowing and they are rowing, but they're getting nowhere against the waves. They are rowing and they're rowing and their strength is wearing out. In the gospel of Mark, it says, and they are fighting. They are struggling against the oars. They are tired in the middle of the sea. They're working in the middle of the sea. And there in the middle of the sea, not by the shore, Jesus walks up. Now, I know we've heard that. I know we've heard that. I know in Sunday school we've taught that. But I want to say it again. In the middle of the sea, Jesus walks up. The Bible says, and they were frightened. Not because of the storm. Notice the language there. Not because of the waves. They'd been out in those before, but because Jesus had walked up. Now, the word for frightened there in the original language, it means they were terrified. They're out in the middle of this storm. They're going to get across it. They're not too worried about that. But now Jesus has walked up and they are awestruck. That's what it means. They're actually struck in reverence. That's the literal translation. Have you ever been so scared that you just froze? I don't, I don't know what caused it, but you've been, you've been, you've been so scared that you'd like, like to say something, but you can't. You'd, you'd like to yell, but, but no words will come out. Oh, you'd like to run, but you can't. You ever been so scared that you just froze? Jesus walks up in the middle of the sea, and they're frozen. They're terrified. Then when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. Verse 20, but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. In verse 19, they're terrified. In verse 19, they're frozen, they're awestruck. But in verse 20, it says, but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Can I tell you the real translation here? The most literal translation in the Greek, in the original language, is this. Listen very carefully. I am, do not be afraid. Let me tell you something. This is about to be the best verse in our whole set of verses tonight. He walks up and he says, I am. Do not be afraid. Now, I want you to go with me. Stay with me. Remember in Exodus 
Remember, Moses is going to the sons of Israel. He's been assigned by God, and he's going to the sons of Israel, and he is to tell them that God sent him. Well, remember the account. He says, well, what if they ask who sent me? Why should they listen to me? He's just thinking it through. Why should they listen to me? Why would they ever follow me? On whose authority have I come? That's what he asked. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. Now listen, it is the name of God. Really, it is the expression of who God is in a name. Here's what it means. I am creator. Therefore, I am all-powerful. Therefore, I am self-existent. Therefore, I am before all. Therefore, I am above all. Therefore, I am after all. Therefore, I alone am. I am God. Now, I want you to listen. I want you to see this tonight. To the ones who would carry the most hated message in the world, to the ones who are just trying to figure out their bearing to see how things are going to go in life, to the ones who are going to face rougher seas and darker nights than these, to the ones that will be stoned and stabbed and jailed and crucified, to those that would lose their friends and lose their very lives, to them Jesus walks up, not parting the sea, but walking on the sea, and he says to them, I am, do not be afraid. Praise the Lord. I am God, I am God. Do not be afraid. Do you know he is God, Jesus is? And do you know there's no reason ever to be afraid? I'm talking to us. There's no reason to be afraid. And I I, I read this this afternoon. What a timely message that is. I I think one of the tricks of our day is fear. And we can get you in line with fear. We can make you vote a certain way with fear. We can make you act a certain way with fear. We can make you put down things with fear. We can make you change the course of your life with fear. We can make you stay up at night with fear. We live in the day of fear. What if that happens? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? We're consumed with fear. Listen, we serve the living God, Jesus. I am. There's nothing to fear. Amen. Verse 21. So they were willing to receive him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. He gets in the boat, and immediately they're at the shore. I want you to see this. Jesus brings them to safety. Jesus brings them to safety. There'll be no more rowing on this night. There'll be no more raging seas on this night. Jesus steps in the boat, and immediately they're on the shore. Jesus brings them to safety. Now, at this part in the account, it's going to turn back to the crowd. I want us to see this tonight. It's going to matter for our message tomorrow. But now the account turns back to the crowd. Verse 22. The next day, the crowd that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other small boat there except one, and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away 
alone. Now see this, the next day the crowd is back. In fact, it is growing. We're going to see that. They want more signs. They want more stuff. They want a king that would give them both of those things. And so the crowd is back. And as they come, they remember there was one boat and they saw the disciples got into that boat. They didn't get into it. He didn't get into it with Jesus. He wasn't with them. And the boat is gone. Verse 23. And there came other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. In verse 23, there's these on the shore, the crowd that's there on the bank, and they're seeing the whole situation with the boat. But now in verse 23, it says that other boats are coming. They're still hearing. They're still coming. There's an armada of boats, small little boats making their way. Verse 24. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. They look around, and boy, do they. They're, they're frantic. They want to find him. They look around. They're searching, and they're looking for Jesus. They can't find Jesus. Maybe they can find a, a disciple of Jesus. He'll tell them where he's at. They don't find any disciples. And so they all, can you picture this, get in these little boats and they go to the other side to Capernaum. Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? They say, when did you get here? They really want to know, how did you get here? Now we're going to see Jesus' answer tomorrow in the morning. I wish he said I walked, but he doesn't. There's some great truths that are coming. There's some great truths that are coming. We're going to stop here tonight. But tonight I want us to see this in our account and the truth of our account tonight. And I want us to be certain. Here's what we can know tonight. We can be sure of Jesus. We can be certain of Jesus. Listen, tonight... In 2021, you can be sure of Jesus. Second thing is this. Tonight, we can trust Jesus. We can trust Jesus tonight. You can trust him for your salvation. He's the only one that can save. He will save. You can trust him for your salvation. I pray that you do. You can trust him with your life. I don't know anybody else. I, I for sure wouldn't say anybody else that you can trust with your life. You can trust Jesus in your life. You can trust him with your service to him tonight you can trust in Jesus third thing is this we can trust that we can stand safely in Jesus sometimes we wonder I wonder what he'll do I wonder if he'll still move like that I wonder we can trust that we can stand today safely in Jesus what have I to dread what have I to fear Leaning on the everlasting arms, we can stand tonight safely in Jesus. And then the last thing is this, tonight, endeavoring to declare the world's most hated message, we can speak fearlessly because of Jesus. What if they don't want the message most of them want? What if they don't like it? What if they get mad at us? Some of them will. I don't, I don't know if we can take what they're going to do to us. I don't know if we can be prepared for that persecution. Listen, if we're going to deliver the world's most hated message, we can speak fearlessly because of Jesus. It is still the truth. It is still the message. God 
loves you. His grace is greater than all of your sin. And it is available to you. Why? Because God so loves you. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. We're thankful for this truth tonight. We're thankful for this picture tonight. We're thankful that you take care to encourage and to build and to prepare those that would carry the world's most hated message. Lord, I pray that the world's most hated message tonight has been spoken, has been made clear. And I pray that it resonates with some that have never trusted in you. And I pray that tonight, folks that are hearing in this room in some other way, some other means, would know tonight there is a living, gracious God. And he loves them. He loves you. And in his grace, he sent his only begotten son that you might be forgiven of your sin, that you might be saved. Why? Because he loves you. That trusting in him, you will be saved. Why? Because he loves you. Lord, I pray for somebody to hear that tonight, maybe with fresh ears, maybe for the very first time. And I pray that they would trust you. Lord, I pray for the rest of us that have trusted you. That tonight we would sit back up, we would lift our heads, and we would cast away any fear, knowing that we serve Jesus, I am. And therefore, we fear not. We're thankful for that promise. We're thankful for that truth. We're thankful for that hope. May we walk in it, pointing, shining a light to your good news, to your gospel. Lord, I ask in this time of invitation that you would move. I ask that you would work. And I pray that it would be to an extent that you'd be glorified. Lord, we're thankful. We trust this to you. We give it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service tonight with a time of response a time of invitation as we do every single service. The most important thing you can do is respond to the truth of God's word. We preach for a call to decide. Here's the truth. God loves you. I don't have to flinch to tell you that. I don't have to change the definition of the world, of the word. God loves you. And his grace is offered to you in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're all sinners, all of us. And he, he loves us so much he sees our helpless state as sinners. We've earned a punishment and death. He loves us so much, he sends his only begotten son, his one and only son, to die my death and your death, paying the penalty for our sin. That's how much he loves us. The Bible says the penalty right now is paid, finished in Jesus. He's been put in the grave dead. Three days later, he comes out of the grave. He's alive. He stands as the victor, the defeater of death, our Savior, the Savior for sin. Here's the truth of God's good news. If you'll trust him, if you'll trust in that, you shall be saved. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, if you've never turned to him, giving him your sin, giving him your guilt, claiming the forgiveness that he's already secured for you in the cross of Calvary, do it today. Settle it today. He will save you. Do it today. If you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never fought in believer's baptism, we want to give you an opportunity as well to come and say, I want that testimony to stand for me. Maybe you've made a decision in recent days. Maybe it was further back, but you've never fought them. Believer's baptism. The Bible says it's by immersion, always after the point that you're saved. And so you would say, you know what? I've made a decision. I've trusted Christ. And in obedience to Jesus, I want that testimony to stand. You come. We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration, testifying to what we believe of Jesus. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've, you've prayed about it and believe that God's led you here. You come as well. 
Maybe tonight you want to come on this Saturday night, on night 29, you want to come and pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to pray with me. Maybe you want to come and seek God's hand that there will be a multitude saved in this effort. Maybe you want to pray at the altar. I'm going to ask that no one stir about or head for an exit. I'm going to ask that you be praying for those that are making decisions. As we stand and sing, if you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here. You come on, I'll meet you here.